0: Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Amen. Father, we open our hearts today, our minds today. God, may what we are about to experience not just be a moment, May it get a part of our culture, part of our life. May what we experience here in the next few moments deeply change us. May it add structure to foundations. May it break up any rotting thing. May it weed out any unnecessary plaguing thing. And may there be a defining moment in our life today where we realize that because of the power of the Holy Spirit within us, that there is nothing that can stop us from where we are called to go. So Father, I am praying this morning that there would be a divine encounter from you to remind us of what you have put in us. So today we serve notice to everything that is coming against us. We serve notice and we bring captive every thought and imagination that would exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. Father, today we are praying for divine revelation divine healing, and today we confess with our mouth that we believe that nothing is impossible and that we are unstoppable. If you believe that, would you put your hands together in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm excited about this series we are jumping into called Unstoppable. We are going uh, through the book of Acts uh, for the next seven to eight weeks, uh, and we put a kind of a seven to eight weeks, just depending on how, how good this gets, and uh, sometimes I think we stop our series just as people are getting it. Uh, four weeks is great, um, but and our principle has always been you don't want to overdo too much of a good thing. Uh, however, uh, the book of Acts has got 28 chapters in it, and there's a lot to cover, in the book of Acts. And so we're going we're gonna to lean into this for about seven to eight weeks. Uh, eight weeks being Palm Sunday and we'll see where we're at by then. So anybody ready to go on this journey with me? Let's go. Let's go. And I thought since, since we're going to take our series from the book of Acts that we'll start in Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 through 19, as you're turning there, wasn't our fifth anniversary last Sunday out of this world? Come on. Come on. And uh, I know Krista and her team behind the scenes, or Megan and her team, Krista did amazing work too. Did I say Krista? What did I say? I did say Krista. Thank you, Krista. Amazing job, a coffee bar, all that stuff. Um, Megan and her team behind the scenes uh, worked very, very hard and uh and sometimes we walk in we're like wow it's great but i think i think uh, we need to give honor to whom honor is due today and so thank you thank you amazing job and to all of our serve team that showed up early that worked just tirelessly uh really pushing this thing forward. thank you we celebrate you amazing i looked i looked around the room last sunday and um just one or two in the front row were open, and uh, I don't know why that is in churches, um, but maybe we'll preach on that through Acts. I'm going to find something in here about how to sit on the front row and love it. All right. Um, <laughs> it's funny. You can laugh. You're good. You'll be all right. We're going to get through this. But uh, what, an, what an amazing time. I looked around this room and how we, we started with few and how God has just multiplied that. And the lives that are impacted. And I was reminded of a, a prophetic word that I received uh, here this last year, as Pastor Jesse was speaking today, and it just it gave me hope today uh, of where we're going and what we're doing. So, Matthew chapter sixteen, verse eighteen. If you have it, say Amen. Jesus saying, "Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock." And upon this was before Dwayne Johnson got famous. All right just wanted to give you the the original rock was peter not do you smell okay am i showing my age all right and upon this rock i will build my church everybody say my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it we celebrate it right and verse 19 and i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Father, we thank you so much for the moments we have shared today. We invite you into this space today to absolutely wreck us. May we be empowered today to go and change the world around us, but before we do, will you change the world within us? Father, we thank you for it. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Someone said, Amen. Amen. Someone said, I, Yeah, we can give them a hand clap. That's amazing. Amazing. Someone said, My mind is open. My heart is ready. I receive it. I believe it. Do it, Jesus. As we get into this, uh, this sweatshirt is going to be on set. Not this one. You will not. It's not a jersey from a game. This is mine. I keep this, um, but we are, uh, London uh, and Brevin are doing these, uh, so if you would like one of these amazing, unstoppable uh, shirts, they are coming, we've got eight weeks, so we can get them in, get them to you, and uh, we want you to, uh, let's promote this, let's talk about it, let's, let's invest into it, let's belong to that part of it. There's an, there's an old question that says, what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? In fact, the Joker in Batman also said this. Just if you're looking up quotes, I want to be prepared. Um, and, and really it's this conundrum that if something's immovable, then something is, that is unstoppable can't move it. Because it's immovable and the unstoppable thing can't move the immovable thing and the immovable thing... Uh, can't stop the unstoppable thing. So what happens? And I think that oftentimes we look at, at the powers of hell, the spiritual adversity, the, the problems that we're suffering, the things that we go through as something that is immovable. Something that is absolutely immovable. Something that is just, it's a struggle. It's not going to move. We're looking at the mountain and it, it's not getting out of the way. We're looking at at the sickness and we're not getting healed. We're looking at the bills and they're not getting paid. We're looking at the lawyer and it's not getting worked out. We're looking at our kids. We're looking at our marriages and things aren't working the way we thought. Can I get an amen in the house. There's things that just don't seem like they are moving. It seems like it's immovable. So when we hear the word unstoppable, we, we kind of shy away from it because we really think that we're stoppable because we're facing something that is immovable. And I want to expose something today and I want to I reveal something this morning that, that is going to reshape your thinking. Are you ready for that? Like, I, w- I want to just reshape some of your thinking about the things that you believe are immovable in your life. But in order to do this, I think we need to look back at the early church, the beginning, the baby of this movement called the church. Jesus had given the word to Peter, hey, I- I'm going to build my church. And when I build my church, it's not going to be stoppable. When I build my church, it's not going to uh, have to be watered down. It's not going to have to be hid under a bushel. When I build my church, it's not going to be shameful. It's not going to be hidden. It's not going to be secret. It's not going to be, uh, it's not gonna be any of that. It's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And anything that is unstoppable instantly has in- things that will rise up to try to create it and fight it to become stoppable. That's why great athletes always have great opposition because they're the guy on the court or on the field, they're the lady on on the track, they're the they're the individual on the volleyball. What do you call a volleyball court? Is it a court, Brevin? I have to ask the pro. All right. It's a court. I don't know if I like that. Okay, so it you, they always go after, it's, it's the double team in basketball on the big player on, on the court. It's, it, it's always the double guard in football like you'll see this afternoon on the receiver that can be and will be the threat. They don't double team someone who's a non-threat. But there's always an increased adversity to the individual that they believe is unstoppable. So I'd like to remind the church today... That if you feel the opposition and a doubling down on your life, it is not because you are weak, it is because there is something inside of you that the enemy knows is unstoppable. And the early church saw this. They saw this adversity in the very, very beginning. The very beginning of Ch- Acts chapter one lets us know Judas kills himself. Welcome to the church. Like and it's graphic. And suddenly now they're dealing with a disciple that was one of the twelve, has now sold Jesus. Jesus has died. He has risen. And he's telling his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But while I'm preparing a place, I'm going to send the comforter, the power of my Holy Spirit. And so the, the church sees this great hope. And then they watch as one of their own has sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Church, may we never get to the place where we sell out our mission. Where we sell out our cause. Where we sell out our purpose. Where we sell out for temporary gains. Because temporary things like 30 pieces of silver, fame, another property, another car in the the garage, another, another big idea or opportunity. May we never sell out the mission of his church for something that is temporal his church has been from everlasting to everlasting it's the place where the glory of god is and so the question then is what and who is the church and if we look at acts we're going to find out in in this series who and what the church is but i'd like to just kind of kind of open up a little dialogue today with this when we when we look at animals we we call them by you know Groups, right? We don't just call a group of lions a group of lions. We call them a a pride. Uh, when you look at a baboon group, I don't know. Maybe you do. Anybody know what they call? They're called a troop. Uh, cranes are called a siege. What an animal! Like I would think something more majestic than just a crane. But anyway, that's I didn't do this. Crows are called. Come on, a murder. Eagles are called a convocation. Goldfish is called a troubling. (laughs) Love that. That's got to be one of my favorites of all time. Lemurs are called a conspiracy. And I have figured out what is wrong with Congress today. It is that parliaments are called an owl. (laughs) Who? Who? Okay, so we'll... um, Penguins are called a colony, rhinoceroses, a crash. So, when we look and we think about the church, the church is is not just some place we go. If we're going to talk about the church, I think we need to define what it is not in order to define what it is. The church is not a building, the church is not a parking lot, it is not a program. The church is not a nonprofit. The church is not an event. The church is not a club. But it is a people that walk and talk. It is a people that stand, that live, that love, that overcome. It is a people that are constantly taking ground. It is a people, and the church is the future. It is Jesus central. It is spirit moving. It is unexpectedly expected. It is praise resounding, family united, word proclaimed, grace extend, broken, mended. It is destinies that are changed. It is where the lost Are found. It is where the dead are made alive. It's where believers are strengthened. Truth is to be spoken. Love that is transforming, city changing, God glorified and unstoppable. That is the church. It's not a place to go, it is a people to become. And so when we look at Acts, it is the birth of this, it's the beginning of this. And we would call that an ethos. And an ethos in in Webster's lets us know that it's the characteristic, the spirit of a culture, an era, or community as manifest in its beliefs and aspirations. What you believe is going to determine what you become. What you believe is going to be manifest in your actions, and in your culture. And I want to be a place where we manifest the ethos of the early church. We manifest the ethos of the Great Awakening. That we manifest the ethos of the Azusa Street and, and the Topeka, Kansas revivals. I want to manifest the, 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 the ethos of the church in, in these last days. I want to manifest... That and it's going to start with our beliefs and our aspirations to see that the church has been ever growing, always abounding, and the church has been unstoppable. Lions couldn't eat it, flames couldn't burn it out, guillotines couldn't cut it off, nooses couldn't choke it out. The reality is, the church has always been unstoppable because Jesus said it would be unstoppable. What we believe directly influences our culture. So then it's it's the early church's ethos, their culture, that began to move and become unstoppable. What was their ethos? What What was the culture of the early church? Well, they were witnesses. Acts 1, Jesus said, I want to remind you that you're going to be witnesses into Judea, Galilee, the rest of the world. You're going to be witnesses. The church's ethos needs to be, number one, a witness. You and I are already witnesses of the manifest power of God in our life. Has anyone been healed? You are a witness of the healing power of God. Has anyone been set free? You are a witness of the delivering power of God. Have you, have you been... Have you seen things restored and things recovered and maybe mental health given life again? Maybe, maybe it's been opportunities and open doors. If you have seen this, you are a witness of what the ethos of the church really is. That's what it's about. It's, it's this ethos, the culture of the era of community manifests in its beliefs and aspirations. The ethos of the early church was not just witness, but it was also power. In Acts chapter 2, we see that the promise of what Jesus had given them after the disciples had waited in an upper room, that there was an outpouring, a mass outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that room in Acts chapter 2. Absolutely amazing, beautiful, but I think many times we can think that power comes when we gather corporately alone, that power is an event and not a lifestyle. That power is just in moments of great worship or good teaching or in a moment where I really feel like God is working on my heart. Instead of believing that power is a lifestyle, not an event. And the early church realized that their ethos was not just an event, that there was a, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But the outpouring did not keep them in a room. It caused them to go into the street. Their ethos was not just about us four and no more, 120 and no more. It wasn't just about an experience, an event. It was now what we have received, we need to tell. What we have seen with our eyes, what we have handled with our hands, now we need to go share. And these people that are sharing, like Peter, the rock, in Acts chapter 2, as he preaches his greatest message ever, the reason why he's able to preach what he was able to preach is because he had seen the blind eyes open as, Je- as Jesus had healed them. He had seen the lame walk. He had seen the deaf cured. He had seen the dead raised. Peter had witnessed this, and now the power that was within them was the same power that had raised Jesus from the dead. And the man who had told the rest of the people around the cross, I don't know him, was now the one that was publicly declaring him. And in, in Peter's light, he's now manifesting this ethos that, okay, I'm getting it now. If that power resurrected Jesus and it's now in us, there is something that this world needs to see that they were not able to experience before. And I was a witness to his power. And if that power is in me, then you have the opportunity to receive that same power. They were passionate, their ethos was passion, they were passionate unto death. They went and changed cities that, that would shut gates on them and close doors. And, 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 and they were passionate about it because they believed nothing was able to stop them. They were united in all things, they had unity one with another, they had uncommon commonalities. We're going to read through Acts. We're going to show you the things they they brought everything together in and brought all things so it was all in common. They they sacrificed and gave and were a part because they believed in this thing called the church. They were revolutionaries, and they were continually devoting themselves. That was a key that just kind of popped off the page this week as I was looking through the ethos of what the early church manifested it wasn't that they just came and worshiped on a on a sunday or went to the temple for prayer at that right hour or or they continually devoted themselves they gave themselves to this word they gave themselves to prayer they gave themselves to fasting they gave themselves to their community because they knew That they had been a witness of something so much greater than they could have ever imagined. And now, in order for them to become the witness and declare the power and have uncommon commonalities, they had to continually devote themselves to the things that really mattered. So may I challenge you today. Let us get back to devoting ourselves to the things that really matter. That really matter. So can the church create and shape culture? I think that's a big question. Does the church have the power to shape and create culture? And I think, I think it is far more... I'm trying to figure out how to word this correctly. I think it's far more important to shape the values of a community than it is to set rules for the community. Because the moment you introduce the legalistic side, reading a book by Gene Edwards, and he said, rules and legalism was developed by old men so they could get to bed early. And the song, shot through the heart, there you go. And I was like, you know, it's exactly what it is. So I believe it is far more important to shape the values than it is to set the rules. Because the moment you set the rules, you are living up to a man's standard. But the moment you set the value, it's an unlimited, it's, it, it's unstoppable. The lid's off of it because now it's not about man's a pleasing, but now it's about God's approval. And God will use those kind of things to manifest His glory in that and 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 the early church had this ethos. They had common purpose, they had common values, they had common vision, they had common movement. Because God will use the unlikely to do the extraordinary. Peter? Last guy on planet Earth that should have been used, but yet he was the guy that Jesus said, you, upon this rock, I will build my church. So when Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2, guess what? It's a fulfillment of the prophetic word. Jesus had already mentioned it's not Peter's church, it's the church. It's not Peter's gospel, it's the gospel. It's not Peter's healings, it's... it's all right. So how do you know your ethos changes? How do you know your culture changes? How do you know that, 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 that the way you think, the way you perceive, the way you interpret things, how do you know that that is changing? Well, you eth- you'll know your ethos has changed when the impossible starts to look logical. You're going to know that your culture, the ethos, the manifest of your beliefs, you're going to know that your ethos has changed when the impossible begins to look logical. And, and Matthew, our, our text today says, and I'll build my church and, on, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Translation I read today said power. And that's why I read it that way today. Because many of us can quote the gates of hell will not prevail, but the new living says power. The power of hell will not prevail. And I, and I, I want to just remind you that the biggest power hell has is its gates. Jesus did not say anything about sickness. He didn't say anything about divorce in this context. He didn't say anything about financial trouble or marriage issues or or kid problems. He he didn't say anything. What did He say? He said, and the powers, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Which lets me know that many times we put things in an immovable category that should not ever go in that category. And I want to remind you today that the strongest power of hell is simply found in its gates. And in its gates is found the word deception. Because deception will get you to believe something That is not true. So it instantly will create an ethos, a culture around your problem, around your circumstance, around your sickness, around the financial trouble. It will create an ethos that this is immovable because you are coming to the gate of deception. And Jesus said, I want to remind you, it's just a gate. It's just a gate And I find it so interesting that throughout Scripture we find that many people had opportunities at gates and they were able to overcome them. Samson picked them up and walked up a hill. David writes a psalm and said, open up ye gates. Open up ye doors and the everlasting God will come in. There is a reality here that I want to get through to us that the power of hell is simply in its gates. What you believe about the gate is going to determine whether you are stoppable or unstoppable. What you believe about the gate, and Jesus said it like this, whatever you forbid, or in the King James, whatever you bind, and I started doing some research on this. That word right there, the, the illustration of that word is like a dog on a leash, I think I think we overthink some things sometimes. Jesus said the church is unstoppable and once it is unstoppable then it has the power to put things on a leash. So you think you've been bound by that addiction? You think you've been bound by that depression. You think you've been bound by that trouble. You've been bound by that adversity. And Jesus said, no, you're the unstoppable church. You're the one who needs to take authority over that. We bring every thought captive. We take ownership and we take identity. We're the ones who takes it, honey. That thing that you are fighting is not to hold you captive. You are to take it captive today. You have the power to forbid and bind on earth as it is in heaven. And then he said, whatever you permit. So I looked at that word. And that word permit, the illustration was like an opening of a gate. So whatever you loose, whatever you permit, it's like opening a gate. See, religion wants explanations, but kingdom wants demonstrations. Religion wants us to explain the who, how, what, and why. Why? But the kingdom just wants us to be a witness to the power of the Almighty God. Religion wants the questions answered while the kingdom just wants to show you what it can and is able to do. Religion wants you to explain it while the kingdom wants you to demonstrate it. So in Acts chapter 3, we'll we'll close on this. I'm going to finish strong today. In Acts chapter 3. Sit on the screen behind me here. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer, and I, I want to point this out today. They went there. They went there because that's what they had done. This the, the 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 church meeting in buildings like this, moving from out from temple or synagogue, had not been established yet. And so they were doing what they, they were devoting themselves to a lifestyle of prayer. This is just, this is what they did. But they were going to a temple that had not seen the power of a resurrected Christ yet. They were going to a place that was full of just religiosity, of just going through the motions, of just doing the things they had always done. And something's about to change. The ethos was now getting into the culture. The ethos had poured out of an upper room. It had, it had, it had seen 3,000 saved. It, they had devoted themselves going house to house, breaking bread. They had seen all of a sudden. And now, now Peter and John are going to the temple to pray, and something happens. And as they approach the temple, a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate. It's where he was placed. Just right there at the temple gate. The one that was called Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. Look at us. And the lame man looked at them, eagerly expecting some money. Right? Like, that's, that's the expectation. I but, All right. Sure, this is what we do. This is what we're, what we're talking about. Expecting, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them past past the gate that had stopped him into the place where he wanted to go the man sits at this gate called beautiful to some beautiful but to this man it was just an ugly reminder Of where he couldn't go. What he couldn't become. How his infirmity and his lameness prevented him from going beyond the gate. He was stopped. He was stuck. And we see this gate to to, to religious traditions and ideologies. And it's this gate to the temple. And yet he's there every day asking for the people that walk in for money. Playing on their emotions. Because it probably felt better to give to a lame man than it did to sit through hours of endless, powerless, traditionalist routine. And he plays on their traditions and he plays on their emotions. And yet, when Peter and John come along, like any good preacher, they said, I don't have any money. Tom, I just thought that was funny today. I just, when I read that, I'm like, I identify. (laughs) Of silver and gold, have I none? Yeah, you're right. But they had something different. They had been a witness to something different. They had seen something, experienced something, done something different, and they were able to give from what they had, not from what they didn't have. Because if you're trying to give something you don't have, or be something you are not, or say something you have not experienced, we call that fraud. The witness that they had, what I have, give I unto thee. What they had was the power, what they had was an ethos. That had been created in common, uncommon commonalities. It was an ethos that had been created by outpourings of the Holy Spirit. And they had something different than what these other people had. They had something different. The man is wanting something. And Peter and John are like, we don't have what you want. But we do have something that we've personally experienced. We do know that we've seen Jesus do this and if Jesus empowered us to do this and the Holy Spirit has come in our life and, and now we have the power to do the impossible because they're looking at a gate and while one man reads deception, the other ones read opportunity and hope. While one man sees despair and depression, the other two see as an opportunity to show the manifest glory of God through this man that had been lame from his birth. This gate was stoppable. You could not go in if you were lame, if you had infirmity, if you were sick. You could not go into their church at that time. But there was an ethos that was getting inside of the early church that said we are not about that. We want the blind and the lame and the beggar and the sick and the lost and the destitute and the depressed and the down and the distraught. We want those that nobody else wants. And there was an ethos that got on the inside of them. And as they approached, they said, no longer is this gate that is beautiful to some and ugly to others to stop this man from getting what he needs. So what I have, give I unto thee. See, spirit-filled churches imparts to others what it has. And spirit-filled people impart what they have witnessed. So my question today is what gate is holding you back? What is your gate? Because every person in this room has a different gate. Every person in this room has a barrier, has a wall. And I'm telling you today, written on those gates is called deception. Those gates have deceived you into believing that you can't get through that you'll never get, be able to get through it. You'll never be able to overcome this. You'll never be able to, to get healed from it. You'll never be able to see the end of this. This is an ongoing everything from the time I was born to the time I am now. I'll never be able to get through to this. I see others walking in and out of this gate all the time, but I can't get through to the gate. I can't get through here. I can't pass this. This is, my, this is the immovable force in front of me. This is that immovable object that will not get out of the way. And here I am sitting, begging, hoping, longing, wanting, desiring. And here I am every day at this gate. So what is the gate that's holding you back? Band, come. I've got four kingdom keys for you to become an unstoppable witness. Number one, you need to change your expectancy. The man sitting there at the gate, the immovable object, expects money. His expectancy was focused on the tangible, on the temporal, just to get me by one more day. I don't know who the Holy Spirit's speaking to right now, but that's been your prayer. I just want to get by another day. I want to get by another month. God, will you just help me get by this week? God, I'm waking up and I just, I feel like this thing's immovable. I just, want to get, I just want to get by. I just want to get through. I just... I, I don't know who God's speaking to right now. But He's given you a key in this moment to become unstoppable when you learn to change your expectancy. If we will stop expecting the temporal and start looking for the eternal... The gate's going to open. Because I'll build my church and the gates, the power of hell will not prevail against it. You're unstoppable. Why should we expect anything less? Our second kingdom key is that we need to adjust our vision. Adjust your vision. The book of Acts was written by a man by the name of Luke, who was a doctor. So when Dr. Luke writes the book of Acts, you're going to see many of the miracles that are performed written in medical terms. And he makes notations of how this miracle happened. His eyes, there was something powerful about his eyes. The Bible says he looked at them, but Peter and John said, look at us. And I thought that's funny. When he saw Peter and John, he asked, and then they said, look at us. Like, he had already seen them. He would already... Have you ever seen something, but you never were looking at something? Have you ever been in a conversation with your spouse, and they're talking about something? And they're like, oh, just look at me. Just, I want you to notice what I'm saying. Because you're in another world. You're, day, you're off daydreaming about something else. You're in another planet. And somehow, this man is in another world, just another person walking by. What do you have? And Peter and John were like, no, 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 adjust your vision. Look at us. I want your eyes. So what are you looking at today? What are you constantly seeing? What are you looking at? Are you looking at all the trouble, all the negative, all the problems? Or are you looking for an answer from the hills from which cometh your help? What are you looking at? The third kingdom key is this, that we need to accept the help. Dr. Luke writes and says, Peter reached down and took the man by his right hand. The right hand in scripture is the hand of power. Today we've been hiding the power. Because we've been sitting at a gate that is called beautiful by others, but it's ugly to us and our right hand, our power, our edge has become dull. We've become, we've become so isolated and so self-focused that as others are walking by, we've had, kept that hidden in fear of judgment. And Peter says, I want you to stretch that out. Now the man had the chance to say no. The man had the chance to say, not today. Nat, I'm good. But instead, he decides today I'm going to accept the power and the strength that is coming from somebody who has something that I do not. And I'm going to stretch my hand. And when he does, Peter helps him to his feet. And the Bible says what? That instantly, Dr. Luke says, his ankles and his feet strengthened. And instantly he was able to stand up. Because the moment you accept the help, Number four is our fourth kingdom key and final kingdom key is he had to get up and walk. You going to be unstoppable today? Get up and walk. It's the ability to move forward. Maybe the reason the gate is immovable is because we've stopped marching towards it. Maybe the gate is immovable because we've sat down and begged. We've sat down and sulked. We've sat down and worried. We've sat down in our despair and our anxiety because we read on the gate deception. And we've been convinced that the thing in front of us is immovable. But this morning, our first message of this series. I'm telling a church and I'm telling a people that you are chosen by God. God's hand is on your life. You have a purpose and a call and you don't have to sit by the gate any longer. Get up and move and walk. Get up. The gate is not immovable when an unstoppable force comes knocking. It's not immovable anymore. You have that. It's in you. That is in you right now. The ability to just move forward. You're unstoppable. Come on, will you tell yourself, I'm unstoppable? It may take us eight weeks to get this ethos. Say it again, I'm unstoppable. Come on, will you punch your neighbor? Like, yeah, power hit, yeah. You're unstoppable. Tell them you're unstoppable. Your homework, if we can say homework in church, your assignment, let's say that, that's much better. to remind yourself every day because I'm a child of God and because I'm a part of His church I am unstoppable. Mm -hmm. Will you stand with me all over this room? House lights, will you go down for us? Prayer partners, would you join me? In this house today, I know that we have people that are, you're at that gate, you're, it's immovable right now. And maybe one of those gates that you're at right now, you may be at multiple, but maybe one of those gates right now is that you don't know if following Jesus is worth it. It just, salvation seems to be so unattainable. I've got a good news and good story for you this morning that salvation cannot be earned. I used to say that salvation can't be bought or purchased, but that's wrong. That was already bought and purchased by one, but not us. Salvation is the free gift of God to you. So it doesn't matter what gate you're at today. The hope of salvation and your life forever being changed is here right now. Because it's a free gift. Because Jesus died on a cross for our sins. Because he was risen three days later. His purpose, his mission is to go and prepare a place for you. And this is why Romans says, if you'll confess with your mouth, you'll believe with your heart. And today, your ethos can change because of what you believe. Not because of what somebody said over you. Not because of what you've gone through. But because of what you've witnessed. And in this house, He is calling you to be His witness of salvation in this room. Heads bowed, eyes closed today. I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to count to three. And on three... If you want to make a fresh start today, I want you to boldly shoot your hand straight up in the air and say, that's me. That's me. I want to, I want to say yes to Jesus. So whether for the first time crossing that line of faith or you're coming back to him again, you've been away. This is your bold proclamation of saying yes. I'm 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 believing. I'm I'm confessing that today. This is that moment. And if that's you in the house, will you pray with me, Father? Thank you for what we've heard today. We want to be unstoppable. We want to be unstoppable. So today I give you my life. I believe in you. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus that you died for me and you rose again. And You're preparing a place called heaven for me. I believe that today. And I believe that you are my Savior. Today I make this proclamation and declaration. And I ask that you would forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me whole and right with you. And I thank you for this free gift today that I can witness. In Jesus' name. Amen. One, you've never been more loved than you are right now. You're so loved. Two. There's a purpose on your life that you could never even have dreamed. And three, if that's you, I'm saying yes. Would you shoot your hand up today? Would you shoot your hand up today? We have one in the house this morning. Beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful. Online, direct message us. Let us know you said yes today. Amazing. Father, we thank you this morning for what we have just experienced, what we have just witnessed, and what we have just seen Heaven rejoices, the church celebrates what has just happened because of the great salvation that is in this place, and for you reminding us that this church, and your people, and us, and me, and ours, we are unstoppable, and for that, we give you praise and glory and honor for it, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.